Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. We're in week two of our series that we're calling Speak. And we are looking at the power of our words. The power of our words. Words And last week, as I just mentioned, we, we dove into the truth that our words create the atmosphere that we live in. Proverbs 18, 21, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. That when we speak, we can speak life. And when we speak, we can also speak death. Because every time we say something, it is creating Something, something is happening. You're creating an atmosphere. You're creating a mood. You might be making somebody mad. You might be making somebody happy. But every time you speak, something happens. And what we began to talk about is that we need to be careful what we say, right? And so that little phrase that we came up with that we all probably said a million times this week, just nod at me and make me feel good, right? That phrase is that what you say creates today, so be careful what you say. Can we all say that together or just like move your mouth, make me feel like you're alive, right? What we say creates today, so be careful with what you say. And so what we talked about was, man, well, if we need to be careful with what we say, Jesus made it clear for us in Matthew 12 that out of the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks, right? That our our heart comes forth through our lips. And so if we want to be careful with what we say, we want to speak life. We need to have a heart that is filled with life. And so we, we talked about the fact that we need to get God in view and our desire to become better at communicating or better at speaking life, better at being someone who declares hope. We need to get Jesus bigger in our view so that he can fill our hearts and out of our hearts, our mouth will speak. And so this week, we're going to take another step, kind of flip that communication coin and talk about miscommunication. Have you ever said something to somebody? It's going to be rough in here today. I'm just going to let you know. Have you ever said something to somebody and been absolutely dumbfounded with what they thought you said? Right? This happens often with my children. Okay? Specifically my sons. I don't know what comes over my kids around 7 o'clock. I don't know what it is. About 7 p.m., everything my kids have ever learned about anything seems to be forgotten. Like simple things. We're not talking about complex constructs of societal organization. We're talking about bathing. I don't know what happens. About 7 p.m., we start that process that as a parent, you dread all day, right? I mean, it's like, oh, it's coming. Bedtime is coming. You're going to hear stuff you never thought you would ever hear in your entire life around 7 o'clock when it's time to take a bath. Now, I want to make something really, really clear with you. For as long as my children have been alive, they have been shown. They have been modeled. They have been talked through. They have been bathed. Okay, this is not a new concept. 
so if we say like, hey, hey, Tay, go take a shower. It's not like rocket science. It's like go in there, take your clothes off. Who knew that needed to be a point of clarity? Okay, turn the water on. Not the sink water. Like the water that's going to be coming from the shower, turn that water on. And then you're going to need to get in it, and you're going to need to get more than your feet wet. I mean, this is, this is really happens in my house. Hey, go take a shower. Cool, Dad. Got you, Dad. Runs upstairs. Boom, do the little ear check. Yep, shower's on. That's not the sink. You know, you learn the difference as a parent. You can learn the difference in water sounds. That's a shower. Okay, we're, we're off to a, a strong start. And then comes running downstairs, pajamas, bam, ready for bed, like, and confident that he has crushed what he's been asked to do. Confident, man. I mean, he just sits down right next to me on the couch, nuzzles up next to me, and then I turn to give him, you know, that, like, father moment where you, like, kiss their head? And I go to kiss his head, and you know that unique mustiness? This like reserved for little children. You know, it's like pre-B-O-B-O. You know what I mean? It's like, and, and I like go to kiss his head and like, he smells like death. This is post-shower. So I'm like, Tate, did you shower? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, Tate, did you wash your hair? Oh, was I supposed to wash my hair? I'm like, wait, so when I said, go take a shower, you heard, go wash your feet. And so we've gotten to the point where we have to give him a step-by-step. Okay, you're going to need to go to the bathroom. You're going to turn the shower on. Then you're going to take your clothes off. Then you're going to get into the shower. Water will touch your body. You will then take soap, and you will put it on your head, and then you will put it everywhere else for my sake. Then you will wash the soap off. Who knew you had to clarify the shampoo needed to come out the hair? Then when all the soap's done, you're going to dry yourself off in the bathroom. Don't walk around our whole house and just create rivers of living water. Dry off in the bathroom. Then go to your room then put your pajamas on, and if you could, close the door because nobody wants to see it. Why in the world, when we say one thing, most of the time, people hear something completely different? Miscommunication. I say one thing, you hear another thing. Let me encourage you really quickly because I was encouraged as I was studying. I was like diving into the word of God this week being like, God, give me some good, give me some truth about miscommunication and how we can get better. And I was led to Mark 8. You want to be encouraged by something that happened to Jesus? Mark 8, starting in verse 4, excuse me, 14. Let me tell you what's going on here. Mark 8, verse 14, the disciples had just witnessed Jesus doing an incredible miracle. 
All right, this is like mind-blowing stuff. 4,000 people go to this hillside in the middle of nowhere to hear Jesus preach. And while they're out there, Jesus is like, man, these people are hungry. And he looks at his disciples, and he's like, and if you don't know what disciple is, it's like his homies. He looks at his homies, and he's like, look, you guys feed those people. And they're like, Jesus, we don't have, what? We don't have food for all these people. Like, we're, we're not lubies. Like, we can't just, like, whip this up. And Jesus is like, well, what do you have? And they're like, well, we got some bread, and we have a little bit of fish. And he's like, cool, well, just bring me that. Bring me what you have. And then he prays for it, and he gives it back to his disciples. And he says, now take this and go feed them. And it literally was a miracle because as they were giving food away, God was multiplying the food to the extent that after everybody was fed, there were seven baskets of leftover food. Mind blown. What an amazing moment. I mean, absolutely mind blowing to experience a miracle in front of your eyes. Now they leave this miracle place after they fed these people and the gospel was shared and all this amazing stuff was happening and they get in a boat to head to their next location. And this is where we pick up the story in verse 14. It says this, the disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf that they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Now, you have to understand that Jesus would oftentimes use real-time illustrations to describe and explain aspects of the kingdom. And so he sees this piece of bread, and he's like, guys, I want to use this as a teaching moment. Be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees represented the spirit of religion. Now, if you've never heard that before, that's this idea that if you do a checklist of do the right things and you stay away from quote-unquote bad people and you have a right standing in society, then you're going to be okay with God. And Jesus came to debunk that that's what relationship with God was supposed to look like. Jesus's whole mission was to turn that system on its head and say, it's not about who you know, what list you follow. It's about having relationship with me. And so Jesus is looking at his disciples and he's like, look, be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees, meaning it doesn't take a lot of yeast to make a lot of bread. And so he's warning them, don't allow the temptation to try to make a checklist, a to-do list, a I'm okay list to replace relationship with me. He's saying, be careful. It doesn't take much to completely leave a life-giving relationship with me and begin to die into a religious or dive into a religious system that leads to death. Jesus is trying to teach his disciples in this moment. This is a teaching moment. Now check this out. Get ready to be encouraged because this is how his disciples who just saw a miracle responded to this teaching moment. They looked at each other and they're like, he's saying this because we didn't bring any bread. 
could just see Jesus in the boat being like, okay, okay, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you even have eyes? Do they fail to see? Do you have ears that fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets of pieces did you pick up? And they're like, 12. And he's like, okay. Okay, what about what we just did? How about the seven loaves for 4,000? How many baskets of pieces did you pick up? And they're like, seven. Here's the best part of the whole story. And he said to them, do you still not understand? Okay, if we were to keep reading, verse 22, all it says is, they came to Bethsaida, which means his disciples did not answer the question. They looked at Jesus the same way my sons look at me when I say, go take a shower, and they come back down with clean feet and dirty hair. Pure confusion. Pure confusion. So look, if Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the hope of humanity, the answer to our brokenness, the restorer of those who are in need. I wish I had a witness. I wish somebody would get excited about talking about Jesus. The very nature of God who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but took the very nature of a servant. Come on, somebody. This Jesus, the hope of humanity, the creator of heaven and of earth, if he dealt with miscommunication, we're going to deal with miscommunication. Miscommunication is not going to go away. Miscommunication cannot completely be eradicated. It's going to stick around. But here's what I'd like to say to us this morning. Some miscommunication can go away. Some of our miscommunication we have with each other can stop. There are moments, real moments, where we don't understand what somebody is communicating to us. But can I just be real with you? Most of the communication, or excuse me, most of the miscommunication that I've had in my life, most of it is because I'm hearing more than what's being said. Can I say that again? Most of the communication that I've had in my life is because I'm hearing more than what is being said. Now, I'm, I'm just gonna I'm gonna shoot straight with you, okay? Your issues should not be projected onto all issues. Look at me. Just look at me. All right, just look at me, because I know some of you are like, I am so glad that they came to church today. Thank you, Jesus. 
I am spitting clarity. I am spitting confidence. I am uttering the words of heaven, and they just do not understand. Preach to them, J.D., preach. Just look at me. Look at me, all right? Because here's the truth. They're thinking the same thing about you. Everybody feels like miscommunication is everybody else's fault. Can we all agree with that? Everybody thinks that our inability to understand is solely on the people who are trying to communicate to us. But the problem is, is that we have what I like to call loaded emotions. Which means something can happen to us now, and I'm feeling something from 10 years ago. Loaded emotions. Check it out. Have you ever had a miscommunication with somebody and you have not said a word? Think about it. You're sitting on your couch. You're chilling. Somebody walks past you, and you're like, I can't believe they just walked past me. The nerve the nerve for them to walk right past me. I'm sitting on this. Do you see how close they got to my knee when they walked past me? I cannot believe that they are so selfish, inconsiderate, thinking about them. Look at them just always feeling sorry for themselves. And then the person who has no idea that they're in a fight Just look at me now, okay? It's going to get tough. Just look at me. Just look at me. The person who does not even know they're in a fight says, hey, what, what do you, where should we go eat for dinner? And you're like, you would. Do I have to do everything around here? Can you not even pick a restaurant to eat? You are so self consumed. What are you going to think about me? And then, Boom. The explosion of pain and chaos and miscommunication. Not because of what was said, but because of things that were said. Loaded emotions will distort our reality. And our backlogged pain, which could be super valid, It could be real and needs to be addressed, needs to be healed, needs to be leaned into. But when we begin to project our past pain on our current communication, it will lead to miscommunication. When we begin to project our past pain on current communication, it will lead to miscommunication communication. So here's the thing. The fact is, is that we need healing. Most of our miscommunication, the explosions of our pain of feeling misunderstood are really rooted in aspects of our hearts that need the healer to come and touch it so that I can be a hearer. You can't be a hearer unless you've met the healer because your past pain is always going to distort what you hear. 
Because we have loaded emotions. It's not just some of us. It's not just the emotional in the crew. It's all of us. Our past affects our future. That's why Jesus said, I have come to make all things new. Come on. He said, the old is what? Just a couple people. Should we try it again? The old is and the new has Why? It's because our past pain will distort our ability to be able to hear our current communication. We need the healer, the one who touches us and restores us and puts us back together again to invade our past pain so that we can become those who eliminate unnecessary miscommunication. Now, I want to speak to something really quickly in closing that is near to my heart. And that's this. Some of our miscommunication comes on the back end of misinformation. What I mean is this. You might have a personal problem with somebody. You might have just something about this individual that you just don't click, you don't jive with. Somebody comes to you and they're like, man, I really enjoy them. I really enjoy that. And because of your beef, you project your beef onto them. And you start asking those leading questions that lead to uncertainty. I would just be careful now. Don't get in too deep. I'm just telling you. Look, you, look. I'm just saying. I used to think how you thought too. I was there. And you're doing it because you, you care, right? Christian gossip. Just look at me. Just look at me. And we say things that are hurtful, misleading, detrimental, all because of something that's going on inside of me. And the distortion of your past pain has created a reality for you that actually might not be real. Can I say that? Can I say what you feel is not always real? That you could be just straight up feeling something that's a total lie, total deception. And when we take the bait of projecting what we're wrestling through onto everybody else, boom, the explosion of pain and confusion and miscommunication. Do you know how we stop that? We believe the best in each other. And I'm passionate about this because I want these these four walls of this cafetorium to be a place where no matter what was said to you in your week, no matter what was spoken over you on Saturday night, you come into this place and people are believing the best in you. You're not having to look over your shoulder being like, man, are they saying stuff about me that's not true? Are they projecting their issues onto me? Are they taking a beef that maybe a challenge I'm having over here with this situation? And then they're telling everybody else over here about this. That's not being helpful. That's called being a gossiper. You're not helping nobody talking to somebody else about their issues. You don't need to build a coalition of people that agree with you. You need to go to that person. We're not going to project pain on people and then bring distortions into this whole thing. Because here, listen to me. The devil does not want you to be united with the people in this room. 
the best way the devil can divide a community is to seed things in your brain that lead to you thinking that you're right and everybody else is wrong and then you go on a rampage to try to prove that you're right and you end up alone that's called deception but Paul addressed this because this is something the church has always dealt with Philippians 4, I'll close with this he says finally brothers and sisters whatever is true Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen, 